Amen. At the <clears throat> beginning, towards the beginning of the year, or just recently actually, I, I did a series on uh, titled, When I Met Jesus. And uh, it mainly focused on encounters that people had with Jesus and, and how Jesus met, met them, of course, but met their needs and their lives were radically changed. Just because they met Jesus and the direction, I should say, the direction of their lives made a radical shift just because they had an encounter with Jesus. And I, as, I, as I did, uh, I mean, as I studied for those, those sermons and just there's so many examples in the Bible that you find. But one of the things that happened to me and was that I became more... Uh, deliberate and specific in my prayers, especially when it comes to praying for the church. Because what I've realized more and more is that people's lives are not radically transformed just because they hear a great argument about why to follow Christ. People's lives are not radically transformed just because they hear some good philosophical debate. But I'm more and more convinced that people's lives are radically changed because they encounter the real God. And they have a real encounter with Him. I know we, we know a lot of things in, in theory, right? We know a lot of things in our heads. But sometimes we need the experience to go along with the knowledge. And that's when we really get it. Like I said, one of the things I pray more, more consciously and more specifically for as I pray for the church is that people who walk in here will encounter God. Amen. Will really encounter God and uh, they will, let me put it this way, they will sense the reality of who God is. Amen. Not just a good thought and not just a good feeling, Amen. but no God. For who he really is. Because an encounter with God is life transforming. And uh, put it this way. A real, encounter in, in, uh, a real encounter with God changes the course of someone's life. Changes the course and direction in which a person goes. Turn with me in your Bible. Because I just have a couple that I had started on. Turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel of Mark. And I, again, it's just. Just, just thoughts I'm sharing. I'm not got a proper outline or anything of that sort. But Mark 5, verses 25 to 34. Actually, this is uh, back up to 24, the second part of verse 24. In Mark chapter 5, and this encounter basically is with, uh, with this woman. And it's just, it's such a great picture of what God and who God is really. And what God and what Jesus is really like. Because I was talking to someone just a couple of weeks back and I was telling them how your idea of God or your concept of God will affect your relationship with God. It's just the way it is. If you, if you, your concept and your view of God is, uh, God is like an unpleasable parent, you'll quit trying to do the right thing because nothing you do is going to make him happy. That's just the way you're going to view God. And if you view God that way, that's the way you're going to behave. 
If you view God as harsh and judgmental and hard, and if you see God in that way, you're not going to go to him every time you make a mistake because all you're going to go, because you're going to think, if I go to him, he's just going to smack me or something. That's all. He's going to judge me. But that's not the God we worship, really. Your idea of God will reflect in your relationship with him. And this, this passage just paints another beautiful picture of who God is. Because it's a familiar story of this woman who's been suffering for like 12 years. Verse 24, it says, the second part, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people, this is what the disciples say, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, tremble and trembling with fear, told him the whole thing. He said to her, daughter, your faith, has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Amen. I know we sing this old song and back it was touched, it talks about touching the hem of his garment, right? And many of us, there have been some beautiful pictures drawn of, uh, of this woman, you know, she's bowing down and touching the bottom of his, his, his garment, basically. I, I'm sure most of you have seen or some of you have seen a picture where I'm talking about, but uh, the whole idea, basically, it, it comes and they, the tradition, again, this is not in the Bible, but the tradition is one of the rabbinic uh, traditions is the high priest, after he goes into the holy place and everything else, he would come out. How many of you know what the talit, the talit is this, the uh, Hebrew or the Jewish prayer shawl? You know, and they'd have it, they'd like a scarf they'd wear and... Uh, you know, it just falls over them. And one of the traditions was that the priest would come out after he's been in God's presence. He would come out and he'd hold his, the scarf basically is like this. And as he'd walk, the whole idea where, you know, the healing in his wings, that's where the idea comes from. And they believe that, and again, this is not biblical. So one of the traditions is that they believe that if they touched as they, he walked, if they touched that, you know, that wing as such, that scarf that was hanging there, as they touched that, they would be healed. And that's the whole idea later on, early on, you see, in, uh, in one of the prophets where it says, you know, where the son, the Messiah, talks about where he will rise with healing in his wings. And that's the idea that she knows and she's heard about. And that's what's operating here, what you see. And so, uh, in all likelihood, she wasn't bending on a, on a, bending down, or was she, she wasn't really on her hands and her knees trying to touch Jesus. If she's trying not to be noticed in a crowd, you don't want to bend over because someone's going to trip and fall over you. So, 
Probably wasn't like that, but more the ideas of this person walking by and she's able to just touch Jesus. Anyway, we'll talk about it a little more. But what we can learn from this encounter about this woman, first of all, is that she was fearful. She was battling fear and that's why it says she came from behind in a crowd just to touch a part of his cloak or his garment or whatever you want to call it, his scarf. She comes from behind in, her, in a crowd. She's trying to hide. She does not want to be recognized. And uh, she was, like I said, if she doesn't want to be recognized, that's why I'm saying it's, it's unlikely that she was on her hands and knees because she's trying to avoid being detected in a crowd. Because the disease she has is embarrassing, it's humiliating, it's shameful. And of course, in those days, she's, she's basically an outcast from society. She's been rejected by the religious leaders and uh, if you want to call it the institution itself has just uh, rejected her. The ones who are supposed to be reaching out to her and helping her have rejected her. Because the system, the religious system, if you want to call it the church, you may as well, deemed her unclean. Ceremonially unclean and she's been this way for 12 years and uh, she would be required to yell like the lepers as they walked by because they were unclean. And as they walked by, she'd do the same thing. She had to walk. As she'd walk by, she'd have to yell, unclean, unclean, as she walked through the street. Now imagine that. It was a feeling of fear and shame together. Afraid and ashamed. How many of you know that those two go together really well? Fear and shame really go together. Because if you think about it, those are the first two emotions that were really felt when sin came into the world. Fear and shame. What happened to Adam and Eve after they sinned? They hid, they were fearful, and they were ashamed because they thought they didn't have anything on. They feared what God would do and they hid. Fear and shame always goes together. And this woman is afraid because she's scared of being found out in a crowd without even saying that she's there. It's kind of interesting because she's afraid before her encounter with Christ. She's actually afraid during because while she's going to touch him too, she's hiding. So she's fearful while she encounters him. And she's afraid after the encounter too. She's fearful. Verse 33 says, then the woman knowing what happened to her came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. She's fearful before, fearful while she's doing it, and fearful after that. She, she battled fear basically all the time. Now here's the thing, some, something that I, we don't talk about a lot. But we can, and hear me out here, we can have fear and faith at the same time. Or you can say we can have faith and fear at the same time. Think about it a minute. Because we sometimes dismiss the whole idea of fear. Because we use that verse. You know his perfect love drives out all fear. She was afraid. She had fear. But she also had faith. She had both. But here's the thing. She had to choose which one she was going to act on. And she chose to act on her faith. Rather than act on her fear. Again, hear me out here because many people have this idea that if I'm afraid, I must lack faith. That's not the truth. 
We all have fears, but fears, let me put it this way. Our fears don't nullify our faith unless we act on our fear. Let me say that again. Our fears don't nullify our faith unless we act on our fears. We have a choice. We either act on fear or act on our faith. This lady, instead of allowing her fear to paralyze her to do nothing, she chose to act on faith. She didn't throw up her hands and say, you know, oh, this is who I am. Nothing is ever going to change. She didn't sit in a corner and says, you know, this is God's will for me. Why even try? Why even pray? Why reach out to God? This is how I was meant to be. or This is how it is meant to be. The truth is a lot of us use that same excuse because we use and we cover it as I'm just being real and practical here. I'm just being real, you know, I'm just being practical. But the truth is this. And you may not even realize this, that you are allowing your fear to dictate what you do rather than your faith dictate what you really need to do. Her faith caused her to sneak into that crowd, sneak into that crowd and through that crowd basically find her way. I'm sure she rubbed shoulders with these people who probably recognize her. But her faith caused her to sneak through that crowd just to have a chance to touch Jesus. You know this already and uh, I've said this before and you've probably heard this many other times. Faith is an action, not just something we believe. Faith is an action. It's not passive. It's pretty simple. When you act in faith, all it does, it positions you in the best place to receive from the Lord. Whether it be a miracle, whether it be a blessing, whatever you need. Your faith is an action and when you act on faith, it positions you in the best place possible to receive from God. Faith is not passive. When you step out in faith, when you act in faith, that's what's needed. That's why we pray, church, really. Prayer itself is an act of faith. Do we get it? Prayer itself is an act of faith because I know a lot of people who make the excuse and say, why pray? Because God's going to do what he's going to do. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So why bother praying? People who say that are either super discouraged or they're just being lazy. Because prayer positions you in the perfect place you need to be to receive God's blessing. God is gracious and compassionate and all the good stuff. It's all true, but don't be ridiculous, actually, if I can say that. And sit on a couch and expect God to work a miracle or pour out a blessing or give you that breakthrough unless you're willing to step out in faith first. He will do it. In his grace and mercy, he just gives it to us sometimes. Please don't, again, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that you have to work to earn God's favor. When you act in faith, It's not a way to manipulate God to get what you want from him. I'm not saying that at all, but all you're doing is you are making the choice not to listen to your fear, but to act on faith. That's it. When you pray, you're just acting on faith, not in fear. It positions you to be blessed by God. And I love faith is such a dear, um, something so close to my heart. 
Because all it is is acting on faith. I love the illustration. It stuck with me for years. Faith is like putting up your sails even when there's no wind. Faith is like going out there, digging into that soil, planting seed, trusting God that he's going to bring rain. There has to be. Faith is not passive. Faith is active. All it does is position you to receive the breakthrough you want in your life. To receive that blessing you want in your life. But you can't just sit there and do nothing. You got to act on it. And this woman did something about it. We'll always have faith. We will always have fear. But you've got a choice which one you're going to give into. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I have to make big decisions in faith, let me tell you that. That's when fear comes in the most too. When you've got to make, and when you've got to make big decisions... Or you've got to step out in faith. That's when fear actually hits you real hard. And I'll be honest. Sometimes I've given into the fear and not acted in faith. But God has called us. He does not give us a spirit of fear. That's something the enemy sinks into our minds. So that he'll cripple us from acting out in faith. So be conscious. Be conscious and don't allow the devil to cripple. Fear will always be there, but don't allow. Don't give into it. Listen to a lie the enemy is trying to sow in your head. This lady was not going to let her fear hold her back. She came from behind in that crowd and she touches him. She barely touches him. Barely touches him. It's kind of crazy because the crowd is pressing in. Yet Jesus says, hey, hang on. Someone touched me here. Of course, the disciples are like, are you kidding me? Everybody's around here. You know, and you're saying one person has touched you. Yet Jesus is, keeps going. He says, he doesn't stop. He says, who touched me? Looking into the crowd, he touched me. And the first time you read it, you kind of, uh, you kind of feel like, Jesus, why are you being so insensitive here? It kind of feels that Jesus is being insensitive. Jesus knows who this woman is. He knew that she was there. He knew what her sickness was. He knew that she was fearful. She knew that she was afraid. She was trying her best to not draw any attention. Yet he seems to be calling her out in front of the whole crowd. Who touched me? Feel so confrontational. Come forward and confess basically. Why is Jesus being so insensitive? Is he trying to embarrass her in this way? But really it wasn't a confession. It was more testimony really. Because what I feel Jesus was trying to do is for once and for all take away all her shame. By publicly acknowledging that she was clean. She no longer has to hide. She no longer has to be embarrassed. She no longer has to shout out unclean. Her cry basically goes from unclean to I am healed. That's the testimony right there. He doesn't want her to live like that. I really feel that Jesus not only, I mean, not just healed her physically, but he was really talking about healing her emotionally too. I really feel that in this passage, you know, that he says your faith has healed you, but he also says go in peace. Faith has healed you, but go in peace. And here's the truth. When we are beaten down by physical stuff and stuff like that, the world has dragged us down. Our emotions take a beating too. And sometimes the physical signs, you know, they go away, but the emotional stuff stays there much longer 
than the physical stuff as such, the physical scar. And you're still hurt on the inside. You're still broken on the inside. You're still filled with shame on the inside. That's what I love about Jesus right here. He's not just about fixing the physical. He was all about giving her peace. That's something on the inside. Now I've talked to people who've been abused and everything else. And the physical has gone away. But they struggle with the emotional. You struggle. And I pray with them. And I encourage them. Allow God to meet you at an emotional level too. To heal you. You know, and you got to take a minute here because it's so true in, in, in not just our church, but in church in general. Because we've been taught to have the strong front. We've got to show people how strong we are. Or we've got to be strong for someone else. Or we've got to be strong for our kids. And we've got to be strong. But very often we mask the fact that we are on the inside still hurting real bad. Let me encourage you and let me challenge you to allow Jesus to mend your emotions today. Allow him that hurt to heal that hurt that is inside. You may have been rejected like this woman. But Jesus can and wants to heal you from the pain of rejection. The pain of abandonment. People may have given up on you and are left to you and you just feel lonely. Allow God to work. I challenge you. Allow God to work in that area. You may have got burnt and you really don't know if you can ever trust anyone else. Let me tell you, there is one person you can always trust. And his name is Jesus because he meets you not just physically. He meets you on the inside. Allow him. He's never going to push his way inside. You've got to make that decision to allow him to work on the inside he will never leave you never forsake you will never reject you honestly church Jesus was never scared to get or become contaminated because someone else was unclean I'm embarrassed and I hope that we as a church learn a lesson not just us Sometimes we've been so exclusive that we don't want to be contaminated by the unclean. I pray that's never, I know that's not a situation here at Radiant Life Church. If you've heard the saying, and I've heard this before, and you probably have, you know, oh, one of these days I'll get my act together and go to church. How many of you have heard someone say that before, right? One of these days I'll get my act together and go to church. You know where the problem in that is? The problem is not them. Where did they get that understanding from? From us. That they've got to get their act together before they come to church. That's not the Jesus we worship. That's not the Jesus here at the Radiant Life Church. You come the way you are broken, hurting, rejected, lonely. We welcome you. Jesus opened his arms. We open our arms to you. Allow God to work. I can't fix your problem. Nobody in this church can ever fix what you're going through. There's only one person who can do it is Jesus. All you got to do is take that step of faith and trust him to do it. That's how simple it is. That's simple. Allow God. Allow God to work in your lives. Please don't allow, ever allow our church to become like that. 
where people feel like they've got to get their act together before they come in. We love people, and hear me out. This is my heart, and I've said this, shared this before. For me, Radiant Life Church is all about loving God and loving people. Doesn't matter who, what, color, shape, size, background, whatever. We love God with all our hearts, and we love people the way Jesus loved people. That's all it is about. And we are to reflect that because that's what Jesus did. He loved this woman just the way she was. Touched her, healed her, delivered her, and then kind of made her come forward and say, hey, declared her clean. That's the thing that Jesus works in your heart. That's what he does, not just the here and now. It's from now till forever. All we got to do is come to him. It's simple. All we got to do is come to him and trust in him. I said simple. I never said easy. It's all about, think about this for a minute. Because if I say, I know we've got a few minutes left, but Jesus knew this woman inside out. He knew her. He knew what she was struggling with. He knew she was trying to hide things from him, but he knew what she was trying to hide. Now, if I ask you the question, what secret are you trying to hide from God today? I know it makes people very uncomfortable when and awkward when we ask or think about the situation. What am I trying to hide from God? First of all, you can't hide anything from God. But here's the thing. Jesus knows all the secrets. He knew her secret issue, but he also knew her secret faith too. As much as he sees the sin, he also recognizes, please realize this, Jesus never saw, I mean, never recognized her fear. He recognized her faith. He knew her sin, but he recognized her faith in that midst. He didn't call out her fear. What did he call out? Your faith has healed you. He knew that she had been going from doctor to doctor to doctor for 12 years. She had gone to every doctor, every hospital, in the network, outside the network, however it works in America. I don't know. She's gone to everything. Nothing has worked. In fact, the Bible says it just got worse. It just got worse. He knew what she was going through. But then it says, she said, she heard it was Jesus. And she said, if I only touch him, I will be healed. He saw past her fear to her faith. That's what it's about. Not acting. She acted on faith and Jesus recognized her faith. Your faith has healed you. You and I, we will always have, like I said, we will always have fear. But Jesus is going to look at the faith that's inside us. That's what he really says. If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Sometimes you need to talk yourself about God. Talk to yourself about God, really. I'm not talking about a positive confession as such or anything of that sort. You can't talk, let me put it this way. She didn't talk to herself, into a miracle. She talked herself into faith in God. You can talk yourself into a lot of things. You can talk, but sometimes you need to talk to yourself, to believing in God. Positive confession isn't going to bring you a miracle. You still got to go meet Jesus first. It's more than just believing. It's going and doing something about it. That's when the miracle really happens. 
If I only touch him, I will be healed. It was her faith that healed her. Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Please understand, it takes faith. We are saved by faith. And here he seems to suggest that faith also brings healing. It's time to go together. And please don't separate those two. Because in the Old Testament, again, he says, you know, he, uh, he forgives our sins. And he also, what? Heals our diseases. Forgives our sins and heals our diseases. In Isaiah, it says he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. And he says, keep going down and says, by his stripes, we are healed. Salvation and healing go together. Now, I know there's some churches here and some Christian branches who, who think all the miracles stop with, after the first century. If salvation is true even today, healing is true today too. If salvation, if Jesus still saves today, he still heals today. Now, whatever the issue, it may be physical or emotional or whatever. If he did it back then, he does do it now because he's the same. He is the same. You got to believe. Jesus says, the power went out from me. If you believe that power went out then, that same power to heal is here right now. That same power is here to heal right now. We've got to step out in faith. Her step of faith, it's kind of interesting because I was reading through some, she had been to all these doctors and, you know, the rabbis, if you, some of the stuff these rabbis made them do, and I, I just, it was funny. One of the treatments was take Persian onions, boil them in wine, and drink it for this issue, basically, and you will be healed. If that does not work, go to the corner of two streets where two streets meet. Sit down there, drink some wine, and make someone scare you from behind. And you will be healed. This is a rabbi giving all this. And another one is this. Sit on warm fire, drink wine with crushed herbs in it, and spices mixed in, and you will be healed. There's a lot of wine back then. She probably was a full-blown alcoholic by the time she was done with all this treatment, but... 12 years, she's tried everything, but there was only one answer in the presence of Jesus. That's it. We can try whatever we want to to fix the issues that are going on in our life, but let me tell you here today, there is only one person who can and is more than willing to fix it, and that's Jesus. Bow your heads with me today. All it takes first things realize that we will always have fear and we will always have faith. But we've got to make the choice to act on faith and not on fear. Act in faith and not, not be paralyzed by fear. Acting on faith simply, like I said in the beginning, it simply positions you. Prayer is just an act of faith. It positions you in the right place, in the proper place where you can receive from God. 
But you can't just sit back and say, God, if you want to fix this problem, fix it, God. Oh, and then accept it as God's will. That's not God's will for your life. God does that sometimes. Like I said, in His grace and His mercy and His compassion, He just, He blesses us anyway. But what we got to do really is be willing to overcome that fear and step out in faith and trust Him. Let me say this. A lot of people believe, but believing is never enough. I believe in Jesus, but I don't live by faith at all. That's not the same. The devil believes in Jesus. The devil even knows that, hey, if you trust Him, you'll be saved. The devil knows that. But it doesn't make a difference. Believing is never enough. It takes a step of faith if you really want to see God work in your lives. You can believe that God can fix the situation that you're going through, but if you don't step out in faith, it probably won't happen. I'm not going to, I mean, God can still do it, but you get what I'm saying. If you want God to fix a situation and you believe that God can fix a situation at home, believe God can fix a situation at work or whatever, in a relationship, you got to take a step of faith and follow Him first. If I take a step of faith and say I serve Jesus, what are people going to say? That's fear. If I say I believe Jesus and Oh man, I don't want to get into all this emotional stuff. People think I'm weird. That's fear. If I take a step of faith and tell people I serve Christ, they, my friends might reject me and not want to hang out with me anymore. There'll always be fear when you have to take a step of faith. The devil will never just allow you to do it. You got to allow God to work. That itself is a step of faith. Allow God to work. Fix you on the outside, but also fix you on the inside. Work with you on the inside. Work in your life. Work in your heart. As I was preparing the sermon, there's two words that came to mind. I touched on this earlier. The pain of rejection and the pain of abandonment. You know, sometimes that physical aspect gets fixed. But we can't deal. We struggle to come to grips with the hurt that that has caused, with the pain it has caused, the shame that it causes. Let me tell you this. Jesus is in the business of fixing that too. But you've got to take that step of faith and allow him to fix it. Stand with you this morning and well, all eyes are closed and all heads bowed. I want to challenge you to overcome your fear and step out in faith. 
whatever the situation you are facing right now and I just feel I got to give you a moment overcome your fear and step out in faith and say God I need you to work in this area in my life I need you to come through in this area of my life I need you God for that breakthrough that I need a God I need you God to bring that healing in my life God just going to give you an opportunity this morning so I'll stand to your feet and if you have a prayer and if you need a touch from God I pray that you will step out in faith this morning come forward and just put it at position yourself position yourself in the best place possible for God to work in your life what can man do to you really don't allow fear to hold you back we're just going to worship god and as we worship god i want you to lift your voice and cry out to him and give him everything you need say god have your way in my life lord and Church, honestly, this is not this is not emotional, just something. Garbage, if you want to call it that. It's reality that God is going to work in your life. If you've been carrying something that you're struggling with, just I'm not going to ask you to come here and confess or anything of that sort. Just come and lay it down before God because He knows already. allow him to begin the work in your life it's pretty simple but trust in him let's worship god for a few minutes church